People from all around the world are seeing something. It disguises itself in the foliage of the trees and stalks the darkness of our peripherals. Every race, civilization, and generation seem to tell of the ones who mask their presence from the world of man. Large, upright, bipedal, and covered from head to toe in hair that blends them into the shadows. In Nepal, they are known as Yeti. In China, the Yaren. Australia tells of the Yaoi, the Yukamar, from Argentina, the Almasdeh of Russia, and the Agagwe of East Africa. Those and countless others claim their position in the world that borders our own. Here in the United States, we tell of the Sasquatch, more popularly known as Bigfoot. Thousands of reports are filed every year through law enforcement or private tracking companies such as the BFRO. But the world refuses to recognize them as real. So how do you think they would feel if evidence was presented that claimed there are more than one species of Bigfoot here in the United States, each with their own population large enough to allow for breeding? Today we discuss not only the famous gorilla-type Bigfoot of the Pacific Northwest, but also the swamp apes of the wetlands of the Gulf, the wood booger of the South, and the relic hominid of the Northeast. Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole. Welcome to the premiere episode of the fourth season of the Infinite Rabbit Hole podcast. The plan is to be back on our 15-episode schedule with possibly a few bonus sp- episodes sprinkled in there. I know last season kind of went a little little different than normal. We had some hiccups there at the end, and we kind of uh, did a U-turn and you know, kind of threw the towel in really quick. Not because we quit, it was because you know, we, we recognized that our product could be better. Little do people know that running a podcast is a lot of work, especially one such as the Infinite Rabbit Hole, where it requires you to do a lot of research. But we're back on track, and we have some new plans we'll go over here in a little bit. But before we do that, I want to go ahead and introduce you to your hosts of Season 4. My name is Jeremy, and I am joined by my co-host and co-creator of the Infinite Rabbit Hole, Jake. What's going on, man? How you doing? Ready to kick off Season 4? Oh, dude, I'm so ready. I'm so stoked. I am so excited. We have so many awesome topics. I can't wait. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit more, too, uh, when I kind of explain what I just said to everybody uh, in a little bit. I'll go in a little bit more detail. But before then, we'll go ahead and jump in and uh, introduce the new guy, the newest co-host of the Infinite Rabbit Hole podcast. Uh, You guys have met him already in one of our bonus episodes during the offseason. But I would like to welcome back Jeff from the Shadow Band Podcast. Jeff, what's up, man? You ready to dive into the rabbit hole? What's up, fellas? I am more than ready. I am super stoked to be here with you guys, and I cannot wait to blow some minds with you guys. That is the attitude we need on this podcast. Thanks, man. You know, when we were talking about the premiere episode, you know, we came to the conclusion, why not? Why not just do an episode where we talk about the Bigfoot from our regions of the country? We just thought that would be really cool to kind of present the different kinds of Bigfoot that you can find here in the United States and really home in on the ones that live near us. Mm -hmm. I think I was kind of 
pitching the Bigfoot idea because we failed to get a Bigfoot episode in season three. And then, I don't know, I think, Jake, I think you're the one that kind of built off of that and recommended that we did like our own regional Bigfoot. Or was it Jeff? I'm not sure. One of you two did it. Maybe. I completely fell in love with it. I was like, fuck yeah, let's do that. And then on top of that, came up with an idea of reading off a few encounter stories from the BFRO website to go along with it, which I'm really excited about because I found a pretty good one from here in Virginia, and I'm really excited to get into it. So before we get started, uh, Jake, Jeff, you guys have anything or are you guys ready to jump in? I'm ready to go. I'm so ready to jump in. Let's fucking do this, man. All right. So as I said before, most people only know of one type of Bigfoot. If they know Bigfoot at all, and that's going to be your typical Patty Bigfoot, the one from the Patterson-Gimlin film out in California, Oregon, Washington, you know, Sasquatch. Mm -hmm. But to most Bigfoot researchers and enthusiasts, there are two different species, and each of those have two subspecies, making a total of four. And there's also a decent handful of people that rather go by a different list, a list of 10 different subspecies. Today, we are talking about types 1, 2, 4, and 7 from that list of 10. And later on in the season, we'll be talking about another type, but we'll go ahead and keep that under covers for now till the time is ready. That's it. That's all I got. So Jake's going to lead us off today with his Bigfoot out there in California. What do you got, Jake? If you've ever seen the Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot film from 1967, then you know, well, if you've seen it, which if you haven't, you can just YouTube it. Patterson Gimlin Bigfoot film, Patty Bigfoot film, that's P-A-T-T-Y. It'll bring up the black and white footage from 1967 of Patterson and Gimlin. They went out into Bluff Creek. They had their film reel with them, and they recorded what is, by many standards, the most well-known piece of film in the world because it really put... Bigfoot on the map for cryptids. However, that's not to say that the Sasquatch wasn't known about before that that time period, because it absolutely was. The western portion of the United States uh, contains California, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, and Arizona. Um, it's not just the coastline; it's also you know Arizona and Nevada. They're kind of connected in that area, but that's what is considered the western portion of the United States. And for centuries before the colonizing of that area into what we know now as the United States, there were over 120 Native American tribes that lived in that area. And many, many, many of them, not all of them, but most of them had their own legends, their own stories, and their own names for the creatures. Uh, I have some written down here, names such as the Night People from the Wenatchee tribe. Evil God of the Woods from the Chinook tribe, Boss of the Woods from the Hoopa tribe, the Giant from the Owens Valley Paiutes, Devils of the Forest from the Quinault tribe, just to name a few, but there's many, many, many more. It's crazy how many stories and legends and stuff from all those Native American people who lived out in the woods 24-7, 365. They were the ultimate woods people. and. If anyone's going to know what was out there, it's them. And it's even more credible because of all these various people spread out through the whole Western portion of the United States 
and almost all of them had their own stories and legends of these giant upright walking hairy kind of sort of people uh they described them in various different ways but they kind of all are the same thing it's easy to see that you know all the legends all the stories you can see the pattern you can see that these are all the same right it's all at least some type of Sasquatch, as we know him today, or a Bigfoot, as Jeremy was saying. But the way that the tribes described them is that they were quick, they evaded capture, they had reddish-brown or black hair, they had large feet and hands and had a foul smell to them. And there's even stories, I, I read a couple of them, where... So one thing that the Native Americans used to do is that they would make food out of acorns. And acorns have like toxins in them and you have to leach the toxins out. You have to like pound them into a mush and then wash them and wash them again and wash them again and keep changing out the water. But eventually the toxins will come out. And there's stories of Native American women who would be doing this process. And it was almost as if the sound of them pounding the acorns into mush would attract the Sasquatch. And if they were to get it completely free of the toxins and then they left it alone for whatever reason, a Sasquatch might jet out of the woods and grab it and run. Like there's stories of them like stealing food from these people, like what they ate, that they were omnivores, that they would eat fish or sometimes they'd steal prepared food from the Native Americans. It was really interesting. There's a lot of those stories. And I really encourage people to just check that out. Just Google search you know, Native American uh, Sasquatch legends or Sasquatch stories or whatever. And it's just, I mean, more than we could ever put on any of our seasons. Like it would just fill up all of our time that we possibly had available to us talking about all these different various stories. They're very, very interesting. Besides what the Native Americans have, we also have av or normal everyday people that see them all the time. A lot of Really good hardcore research comes from the BFRO, which is the Bigfoot Research Organization. If you live somewhere that's mountainous, I heavily encourage you to go onto the BFRO. They have states separated by counties, and I can almost guarantee you that whatever county you live in has had a Bigfoot sighting in the last 50, 60, 70 years. It's absolutely insane. And what's more credible to the BFRO is that they don't just take when people submit a uh, a story or a sighting or a, they heard a, a tree knock or they heard howls or whatever it is, they don't just take that and then broadcast it and be like, here it is, you know, another Bigfoot sighting. They actually go in and they research it and they have a follow-up article underneath it of what their researchers came about. They interview the people extensively. They go to the areas. They look for prints. They look for tree breaks. They look for all kinds of stuff because they, they, encourage people to reach out and say hey i had these experiences but they don't take every single thing at face value because they realize that a lot of people like to play hoaxes especially if you know it's talking about something that technically doesn't exist yet because it hasn't been found by science which is what a cryptozoological animal is they're scientists so they actually want to know what's truthful what's a load of crap and so they do their due diligence and get into the bottom of it so Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sightings over the last 50 years here in California. 
And on average, the Western United States Bigfoot seems to be around seven foot nine to nine feet tall. There are other reports of them being bigger, uh, some as big as 15 feet, which uh, very, very rare, but usually they're right in that, that zone that they, they have children or they have, they have young and offspring and they're really small. I saw some reports where people have seen smaller Bigfoot, like a, like a juvenile Bigfoot and infant Bigfoot. And they looked very small, like a lot smaller than you'd expect. Like one was described as being a four month old premature baby. Like that's the way it looked like if you were to compare it to a human sized baby. So very, very small, but as they mature and as they grow, they get to around six foot tall when they're juveniles or young adults. And then they shoot up to that seven foot nine to nine, 10 feet range. And the males are bigger than the females, as we see in most uh, primate species. That's generally how it works, which leads me to believe that this is a real animal. But the the way that they're described is the ones over here are rather gorilla-like, kind of like if you put a gorilla on human legs. They look very gorilla-like. They have that uh, really extinguished eyebrow uh, that kind of comes out. They have a square jaw, um, flat nose, big cheekbones. They have reddish brown, cinnamon, black, or occasionally white hair. Um, but even like the black ones and the reddish brown ones, they are seen sometimes with gray hair or hair that's graying because the animal's getting older, just like we see with mountain gorillas where the silverbacks are just older gorillas. And they're estimated to be around five to 800 pounds. Um, they're kind of shy, but they can be provoked and get aggressive if they're provoked into that. As far as Bigfoot goes, they're probably on the bigger end of as far as their size goes for the United States. So they're bigger, they're more calm, more shy, but they do interact with people. Sometimes people do get things thrown at them or they're just trying to scare people out of the way. So I did my research and I, I'm going to pull a couple things right off the BFRO, the Bigfoot Research Organization. And I wanted to read very briefly a couple of accounts that I, I came across. And they have very recent accounts. This one, this first one is actually from June 6th of this year, 2021. And I thought that that was pretty interesting because I don't know. It, it's it's easy to just kind of picture in your head that something that has been around for so long, but it's just like, yeah, but I haven't heard any sightings. Like all these sightings are from years and years ago. Well, no, this one's from a couple months ago. And so I was looking into it and basically this woman is talking about how she was out in Hoopa, California, and she was hearing howls. Um, they call them Ohio howls on the Hoopa Indian Reservation. This was documented on the BFRO, and this is what she writes, so I'm just going to read it out. Something woke me up from dreaming. I was dreaming, I was trying to sleep, but there was a noise outside, so in my dream I got out of bed, and I went to the window and pulled back the curtain. 
I started tapping on the window to let whoever was outside know that they were being noisy and disrupting my effort trying to sleep. After my third tap on the window, I woke up from my dream and realized I had to go to the bathroom. So I got up to made my, and made my way to the toilet. My bedroom window was open and my bathroom window was open. Just before I flushed, I heard a faint noise and I started to think it was a motorcycle coming down the bend on the highway. And in that second, I thought to myself, who would be riding a motorcycle this early in the morning? Then the noise got louder and drawn out and had a deep vibrating howl. And then it stopped. I realized then that it was something I've never heard before, and it was not a human. It sounded like it was on top of the mountains behind my house. Afterwards, I noticed there was no dogs barking, not even my dogs, and there weren't, it, and there weren't even any crickets. It was dead silent outside. I was telling myself, oh my gosh, did I just hear what I think I heard? I headed back to bed and noticed the clock said 3.33 a.m. I asked my husband if he was awake. He had been snoring when I was in the bathroom. I told him I just heard something. I explained the sound to him and said I think it was a Bigfoot. I could not believe what I heard. Could not sleep for over an hour, and we laid in bed waiting to hear more howling, but there was no more. The next day, I, heard, I told everyone in my house nobody had heard it. Later Sunday morning, I used my cell phone to Google different animal sounds to try to find the same howl I heard. I tried mountain lion, wolf, fisher, fox, and none of them were in the least bit similar. Then I googled Bigfoot howls. Oh my gosh. In 1994, Ohio moaning howl is almost exactly what I heard. I got chills when I listened to it. I played the recording in my household, and my oldest adult son recognized the sound also. He, as well as a few of his friends, have had a few experiences too including a rock being thrown at him, he has the rock in his bedroom. So this account goes on, but this was recent, and this is not something that's uncommon. If you've never heard of people reporting howls or recording the howls, uh, there's a lot of YouTube videos where you can actually go on there and research that, and you, you can type in Bigfoot Howl. There's hundreds of videos of people recording these things, and it's exactly what this uh, this woman said. It doesn't sound like anything else you've ever heard before in the woods. It's not an elk. It's not a mountain lion. It's not a wolf. You rule out all of the known animals, and then you're left with, well, what else could it be? And one thing that's really prevalent when it comes to Bigfoot sightings or even hearing things like the tree knocks and the uh and you know or you you have a rocks thrown at you or whatever the case may be is these howls so it's really interesting i had some something similar hearing tree knocks on my last camping trip i kind of went into it a little bit on our last episode but i would love to be able to hear these howls. And I'm stoked that not only is it from really recently, but it's actually pretty close by. Like California is a big state, but it's only in this state. Like I could drive there and spend the weekend and do my own research. And that's something I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go to, I, I don't think I can get on the Hoopa reservation. Um, I think you have to have special access for that, but I can at least get close by. So it's something I'm going to have to look into for myself. 
Hey everybody, bear with us while we take this quick break. There's another sighting that I wanted to, or another, uh, there's another one that I wanted to go over. This is also from the BFRO. This one's from 1950, which keep in mind, the Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot film at in 1967 put Bigfoot on the map as far as being a possible animal that existed in California. But this is from 1950. So clearly, based off of that, 17 years prior, a lot of people already knew about them. It wasn't until that film that those myths and those legends and those stories and those dramatic uh, recounts and all those different things became plausible. So that's when people first saw what people were talking about. And it became, it came from the realm of that crazy guy that I know that likes to camp a lot that always talks about these weird things in the woods to holy crap, that's exactly what he described, which is outstanding, <laughs> you know, as far as like the credibility of your, you know, your crazy friend or whatever. But this one's from 1950. This is from Ojai, California, which is very close. That's 45 minutes away from me here in Ventura County. So this is what is observed. And I quote, this happened when I was 12 years old. So it had to be in 1950. I was camping in Los Padres National Forest. I was riding along a hill following a trail down to the water in the Sespe, in the Sespe River, about 50 yards from the stream. I saw three Bigfoots getting a drink. I knew bears and monkeys, but this was something I'd never seen before. I just sat still on my horse, and when they saw me, I raised my hand as if to say hi. The largest one raised her hand, and in a little while, she took each of the two little ones by the hand and walked them up the trail. I waited a little while as not to scare them, then rode down to the stream to give my horse a drink. The big one was about the size of a teenager. I think she was babysitting the two little ones. They all had reddish-brown hair, but not on their faces or hands. The teenage one had the beginning of breasts. They did not seem to be afraid of me in any way. When my horse finished drinking, I rode up the trail but didn't see any sign of them. This is all true. I've told a few people, but they say I was lying. That's why I've never told this until now. I think people should leave them alone, but I know that they won't. And just underneath that is the follow-up, a follow-up report by the BFRO investigator uh, Kevin Withers. And it's a page and a half long where they go to this area, they look for prints, and they do all these things to just talk about the credibility because everyone wants to have that story that makes them, you know, famous and whatever. But these guys are actually, they care about science, right? They care about research. They care about discovering these and, and showing to the world that they are real animals. So that's just a couple different examples. One of them from quite a while ago, the other one from a couple months ago, but that's the version that we have in California. And I think that the listeners will hear it, and I know they've, they've heard it before, but these sightings of these, diff of these Bigfoot and these Sasquatch, almost the way that they change based off their uh, region, but stay the same animal, 
gives more credibility into the idea that these are real animals because they're like bears. You know, they're slight variations based off of where they're at, but they're still bears. And so I can't wait for you and Jeff to get into this, Jeremy and Jeff to get into this, to show you you guys, the audience and the listeners, that we think that these are real, you know? And that's the one that you can expect to find on the West Coast, although they are known to be pretty much throughout the entire United States. But though that version that I talked about is primarily seen in the Western region of the United States, although they do seem to travel. I, I can't remember if we stated it at the beginning, but that's the type one. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you're a researcher in the Bigfoot uh, and you believe in the the four types or the 10 types, uh, the type one through four is always the same. That's the type one the known as the patty type, just like Jake said, it's just like a large gorilla. Dude, what what a good dive, man. That was awesome. I learned I learned some stuff too, especially about the the size of the young that that baby. That's that's crazy. I've never heard that before. You know, and it it's not shocking though, right? Because we have other types of animals in the wild that have tremendously small young, like the kangaroos. Kangaroos are huge. They're like seven feet mm-hmm. tall. They are super muscular, and they'll just completely wreck you if you mess with them. And yet right. they have these little itty bitty pink, you know, finger length babies. That just spend all their time in the pouch until they're big enough to actually emerge out of there. That's marsupials in in general. They're they're all like that. Possums, uh, fuck. Uh, I know, like the Tasmanian tiger was, <laughs> was was like that too. That was a marsupial. A lot of people think that was a cat or dog. That was actually closer related to a possum than it was uh, to a feline or a canine. For anybody that's looking into famous encounters of the type one patty bigfoot you can obviously like jake said you can look into the patterson gimlin film there's numerous famous encounters with these these kinds but the 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 two that i really want to highlight for anybody that's really into the history of bigfoot obviously uh i need you to look at the ape canyon incident and the albert or Albert Ostman incident. The Albert Ostman incident actually happened in Canada, uh, just north of the Pacific Northwest here in the United States. But those are really, really good. And those are historical when it comes to Bigfoot. Uh, Jake, awesome job, dude. Jeff, you got anything for Jake, man? Yeah, I got a question or maybe more of a comment, but I'm looking at images from the Patterson-Gimlin film. And I've seen the footage Mm -hmm. before, but, you know, I just... I haven't looked at it in a while, but I'm looking at um, pictures from the film. Has anybody decided whether or not that creature is male or female? Because it looks to me like it that's might a lady, my dude. Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking because it looks like it got some breastfeeds. Without being too X-rated, and I don't think so because this is you know an animal we're talking about. Um, it is, you know, one of the things that's pointed out in that film. As far as the validity of it, whether it's a costume or it's an actual animal, is that granted the film is grainy and there's people that have stabilized it over time and they they put it more in the center of the screen and they, you know, bring out the color a little bit more. But one thing you can notice with that video is that the breasts sway as it's walking versus if it was a foam padded suit of some kind they would be rigid oh and yeah not i see good. that okay yeah 
so you can actually see them move and as well as seeing the musk the muscle structure underneath the shoulders and the arms you can you know see these different things that video has been broken down hundreds and hundreds of times by wildlife researchers by biologists by people that study anatomy and it is one of the best videos that's ever been taken where it it seems like no one can say that it's bullcrap yeah because if it's if it's fake it's the best fake video of a cryptid that's ever emerged ever 100 percent hands down it's nuts if you want to hear a really good breakdown of that video our season one finale jake myself and our co-host at the time wes broke down that video the the title of the episode is simply patterson gimlin film we went into you know the whole breakdown of the planet of the apes movie being made at the same time with hollywood's top dollar unable to produce a suit that didn't show the seam or buttons or zippers or velcro mm-hmm. uh forcing them to put clothes on on the costumed apes in order to cover up those seams and then this Bigfoot film comes out a year before that on an amateur film set. And it literally has muscle tone and swaying breasts and uh, movable appendages on its fingers. You know, a- anybody that's new to the infinite rabbit hole, I really highly, highly recommend going to check out that video, that episode. It's called again, just Patterson Gimlin film season one finale. It's an hour long of us breaking down this historical video of a real life sasquatch which jake myself and wes spoiler all believe that that is actually true that we're looking at a real life sasquatch one of our most popular episodes to date highly recommended jeff if you haven't even heard that episode highly recommend you go check out that one too i don't think i have i probably should i'm just going to go ahead and say that i'm an expert analysiser because I looked at that picture and immediately thought that's a female. So I'm going to go ahead and give myself a pat on the back for that one. <laughs> Good job, man. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, hey, right. I, I see boobs. That's I a see, lady. I see boobs. <laughs> I'll tell you what. The guys at the BFRO, they really do their research. Because if you go into there and you go into their, their fact, their frequently asked questions, they have what is a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch, and they break it down. They break down the anatomy, the physiology, the behavior, and the useful literature and the links that you can go to and, and learn more for yourself. And in this, this article and in this section of their website, they actually break that down um, because one thing that's actually known about sightings of the Type 1 Bigfoot or the, the Patty-type Bigfoot in the West Coast region is that unlike other types of big feet um or at least not all of them uh their chests are covered with hair in both the males and the females everything except the nipples and the areolas have hair on them which you don't see with gorillas gorillas have uh i think they have bare chests but chimpanzees have hair covered chests so even though they're both great apes they have those different variations or orangutans, they have bare chests. But in this instance, for a Sasquatch, you see the West Coast version of the, the Bigfoot or the Type 1 has hairy chests, except for its nipples, which we see that in uh, great apes. So it just more leads into this idea that this is, in fact, a real animal. 
I'm trying to see right now whether or not both species of gorillas have bare chests. Um, and it looks like the mountain gorilla has a little bit of a hairy chest and the lowland has a bare chest. There you go. I also want to say in regards to the BFRO sighting you brought up where the guy essentially waved and the Bigfoot waved back. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely would not be waving at a Bigfoot if I saw one. In fact, I'd probably be as still as possible. So that guy's got some cojones. I think it would depend on how in danger you felt. Nope, not at all. I will not be drawing attention <laughs> to myself. <laughs> Period. Well, I can I can tell you that when I was on that camping trip and I was hearing all those tree knocks around me, I was in a tent and the tree knocks were a distance away and I didn't move a muscle. So I get it. Because exactly. <laughs> yeah. it was pitch freaking black outside and I there was no light. And your eyes can adjust, but only so good. You know? yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I was like, all right, I'm not even leaving my tent. Nope. I'm going instant fetal position. That's it. uh well good breakdown jake that was really good man thank you very much and then after jake we have jeff with the type 7 swamp babe yes thank you jeremy i am jeff and the swamp ape skunk ape (laughs) (laughs) you guys like that that's a good one huh yeah so swamp ape skunk ape florida bigfoot uh yeah there's a lot of different names for it i actually wrote up a little thing i'm just gonna read what i wrote so here we go with many sightings across the southeast along the gulf coast of the united states local legends of a hairy beast hiding in the swamps are some of the oldest in the region known to the seminal tribe of florida as the sd capcake or tall man this creature has been described as a long-haired, bipedal hominid with a pungent, almost unbearable stench. Its hair is reported to be much longer than its counterparts, and its height coming in at an estimated six to seven feet tall. The skunk ape or swamp ape is much smaller in stature than its northern cousins, which could be one of the reasons that footage of the swamp ape is very rare. From the southern tip of the Everglades to the eastern preserves of Texas, there's more than 1,650,000 acres of connected, nearly impenetrable swamps and forests, leaving plenty of room for a breeding population of hominids to remain mostly unseen. With over 330 sightings reported to the BFRO in Florida alone, it's hard to discredit the possible existence of this elusive creature. The only close-up pictures of the swamp ape arrived mysteriously at the Sarasota Police Department on December 22, 2000, in an envelope with an anonymous letter. Two photos were sent, showing what appeared to be a tall, hairy hominid showing its teeth and staring directly into the camera. This is known as the Mayaka footage. First of all, let me just stop for a second, because Jeremy was the first person to enlighten me about the Mayaka footage. When you came onto my show and we did the cryptid episode and you and you told me about that and I looked that up and I got to be honest, if nobody's mm-hmm. looked at the pictures of the Mayaka footage, go and look it up and good luck going to sleep tonight because that thing is freaking <laughs> scary, dude. Scary. Well, yeah. So let's talk about that for a second, right? 
Yeah. You look at this thing and j- just like with the patty type, you compare it to a, a gorilla. Well, with this, it's most comparable to an orangutan. Mm-hmm. But this thing, it, like if you ever seen an orangutan, they're hunchback. You know, they uh, they're they're very awkward in their movements. This thing's standing up tall, and this thing looks like it's a mixture between like a dreadhead and like the 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 patty bigfoot man like this thing's gonna kick the fucking shit out of you mm-hmm. yeah it literally looks like a swamp monster like it's it's terrifying it yeah absolutely yep. you know what's interesting about this i just i just pulled up the picture and i've seen this before i just didn't know that that was it that's what it was called it's got red eyes which i don't know if people realize this but when people say that they saw something with glowing red eyes they don't necessarily mean that it's like some horror movie and their eyes are glowing red and they're illuminating. That's from the light source reflecting off of the back of the eyes. Real animals do that. Yeah, you, you're not faking that. <laughs> yeah, that eye shine and stuff. Because you remember like when you used to have to edit older pictures, you take them with like a Polaroid camera or you take them with like a disposable camera. And you'd have to, or even like just older cameras before they had that whole red eye filter, you'd have to go into your pictures if they were taken at night and you had a flash on your camera and remove those red dots from your eyeballs Mm -hmm. because it's the reflection from the light source in the back of the eyeball. That is shown in pictures of real animals, not plastic eyeballs with slits in it so you can look through them. That's nuts. <laughs> it, that's interesting because again, that those pictures showed up in 2000, which is before we had mm. these nice cameras with the red right. eye filters and all that stuff. So, you know, that makes me think that those pictures are legit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, no, they're they're creepy. You know, just just to so everyone is kind of understanding about eye shine and eye reflectivity there is no known creature and on earth that has what's called eye shine which is you know hypothetically it would be like a bioluminescence inside yeah, the eyeball yeah, yeah. Or like, something. A, like a self-generating light source mm-hmm. right which is common in a lot of bigfoot stories or encounters you hear a lot of people that say it was pitch black and all i saw were these red shining eyes okay a lot of cryptids actually that's a that's a very common thing in the world of cryptozoology is these red shining eyes with zero light source but biologically here on earth eyes reflect light they don't create light so when you're looking at something like this right yes it's true that human beings you know, without technology, our eyes would shine. But if we're to go hide out in the middle of the woods and you were to shine a flashlight in our general direction, that beam isn't strong enough to make our eyes shine or reflect the light back at you. A creature that is nocturnal has the eyes that will do that. Ours do not naturally do that with such a low beam of light. I'm sure that anybody that lives near the woods will tell you if you go out into the woods and shine a flashlight or shit, just even look up onto, you know, into the tree line with just your porch light on, you're going to see reflective eyes looking at you Mm -hmm. from everywhere. That is not the same with humans. Um, So, yes, this photo is extremely interesting 
and intriguing. Um, but what I think is most intriguing about it is that this is obviously not a human in a suit because it would it would be very hard for me to to believe that those eye holes would be lined up as perfect as they are to be able to reflect an old timey camera's light back into the 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 camera lens. You know right. what I'm saying? I'm sorry about going so long winded there about that explanation, but I I needed to to, to describe you know, a bunch of things before actually saying that. I don't think that that's a fake image. I think that's a real yeah, creature. And, and I'm looking at it now. And again, I live in Florida. In fact, I live on the edge of um, a state, uh, what do you call it? A state park here. You know, there's, there's 40 or 50 miles of mm-hmm. nothing but nature between me and the coast, right? So you know, when I'm looking at this picture, I see the palm fronds and everything. It's kind of sitting behind the palm fronds. Those palms are probably six feet tall, maybe, maybe more, you know, and you can see that the mm-hmm. top of his head is at that height. So this is a tall creature. So even if it was faked, like you'd have to have somebody six, seven feet tall and he, and it's hunched over. So taller than that, maybe, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's taller than what it looks like. Yeah, it's hunched over and it, and it's kind of in the background a little bit. But the orangutan thing is interesting. And and when I first heard that, it made me think. I was like, well, maybe it is an orangutan because there actually is a, a very large pop. Well, I say large, but there's a there's a big population of primates in Florida. A lot of people don't know that. Um, we have monkeys here now. Most of that is because they've escaped from zoos, you know, from hurricanes and things like that, and also like. People have exotic pets here in Florida and they get out. So there are monkeys here. It's possible that there could be big monkeys here, like an orangutan out in the wild somewhere. But if you look at a side-by-side comparison of an orangutan and this Mayaka footage, you can clearly tell that it's not the same creature. And in fact, um, I forget the lady's name, but she's uh, an expert on orangutans at the Miami Zoo. And they brought that footage to her. And she said that she does not think that that's an orangutan. Now, in all fairness, she also said that she doesn't think that it's a real animal. I personally think she said that just to cover her own career. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Right. Yeah. She said that it's not an orangutan. So I'm going to roll that one out for sure. Monster Quest did that too. I think either her or somebody else. Uh, reported from Monster Quest and kind of came to the same conclusion as well. So if anybody wants to check that out, uh, just look for the, I want to say it's a Swamp Ape episode. If not, it'd be like a Southern Bigfoot or something like that on on Monster Quest. You you find them on YouTube now. I also have two um, very recent sightings, Class A sightings of Swamp Ape in Florida that have happened within the last year. Okay. And there's actually quite a few. Um, Before I get to those two, I'm just going to quickly mention less than five miles from me in the 70s, there was a sighting by a bunch of kids at a lake near near here. And then again, less than five miles from me in another direction, there was a sighting back in, I believe, 2017 of another one with people who were kayaking down a river. So the sightings are recent and they go back far as well. But there's a lot to go to this, but I'm going to get to one of these class A sightings now. So 
<clears throat> the most recent one that I came across, uh, it was this year, 2021, in March, March 27th in Sarasota County, the same place where they got the Mayaka footage, same region, same area. Um, this gentleman, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's actually really long. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase all of it. But essentially, mm -hmm. uh, this guy was making breakfast, him and his wife, they're cooking breakfast, and they have a window in the kitchen that looks out across the backyard. And apparently when this guy, you know, looked up, he saw one of these skunk apes or swamp apes walking, you know, about 50 yards out from tree line to tree line. And when he looked up to his wife and said, hey, did you see that? Uh, immediately, I believe it was his granddaughter came running from the other room saying, did you see that? Did you see that? So she had saw it as well from a different window in the house. So you had two people see the same creature at the Jeez. same time. Um, you know, after they reported this to the BFRO, uh, they sent the investigator out. They, they did find what they thought were footprints, but they weren't good enough for them to say, hey, this is definitely a footprint or not. They don't have any castings of it just because. And that's something that I want to bring up. There's, there are examples of footprint castings that I came across from the Swamp Ape here in Florida. But there's not a whole lot of them. And I think the reason is because the ground here is so moist and it rains so often, you know, tracks disappear within hours in Florida. You know, even if a deer walks mm -hmm. across my yard, you know, and I go out there the next morning, I can't find the tracks. You know what I mean? So I think that's one of the reasons there's not a whole lot of those tracks. Hmm. But yeah, two people saw that creature at the same time. Um, they estimated it was probably seven feet tall, walking left to right, about 50 yards outside of his window from tree line to tree line. So that one was pretty interesting. And then there's another Class A sighting that I came across in 2020 in December. So, well, less than a year ago. Uh, where was this one at? This one was in Okaloosa County. So this is in the northern part of Florida, up in the Panhandle area. And I'll read this one because it's actually really short. <clears throat> says here, my husband and I were sitting in the woods hunting in northern Florida, about an hour from Alabama. We were sitting in the brush and heard a loud crunch, thinking it was a big buck. When my husband and I turned to look, about 80 yards out, we see a massive human-like figure that was covered in medium, longish brown hair looking from behind a large oak tree at the end of a bottom towards the entrance of a branch head. Okay, so he's at the bottom mm -hmm. of this tree, 80 yards out, peeking his head out. About 30 minutes later, we heard another loud crunch, and right behind a pine tree, we looked, and, an, and another 80 yards out, heading towards the bottom, we see the same large, hairy human figure turning and heading deeper into the creek bottom. So they heard it and saw it twice. Two people. And then after they sent the investigators out there to check that out, uh, this is one that they did find footprints for. There are castings. They've got map locations. This one looks like it was pretty well documented. Um, and they've got some pretty solid evidence to back up these two people's, you know, account of what they saw. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And it's, uh, honestly, the fact that these are two class A sightings within a year of each other. Yeah. I'm kind of like, all right, man. Like somebody's got to pull one of these things out 
of the of the woods one day so that we could see it you know what i mean like i know it's out here but that reminds me of uh that time that i got freaked out man when you guys were when we were doing that episode and the lights came on dude i'm telling you man <laughs> like when you know it's out there you know it's out there we got them spooked guys mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so jake and i uh appeared on his show a little while ago what about a month ago ish something mm-hmm. like that something like that and uh <laughs> We got to the we got towards the end and uh Jeff's like, we need to we need to cut this up short, guys. Uh my my motion light just came on because <laughs> there's a fucking Bigfoot out there. <laughs> yeah, man. It would freak me out. Cause we were I think we were talking about Bigfoot that day, if I'm not mistaken. <clears throat> or in that part of the conversation. And yeah, dude, the lights came on and I went and scoped it out and I had to cut the episode short because I was like, no, man, I gotta go do a little perimeter check here because this is not good. uh i love i love him man he's so freaked out love it (laughs) i really like stories that come from hunters i honestly feel that for myself stories that come from hunters are more valid than uh from city folk and uh, or people that are in the cities and stuff the reason why i feel that way is for a number of reasons uh for one they know what animals look like you know even if you're only a deer hunter or a pig hunter and you're that for your entire life you see enough wildlife that you can determine if something is an upright walking bear or just a bear or something else or whatever and they see something that they've never seen before or they have these experiences it, to me, hunters have more validity in that regard because of how common those sorts of animals are to them. You know, I couldn't imagine that someone that lives in a city environment would see a bear all that often unless they were traveling, although there are just a tremendous amount of, say, like black bear, 500,000 in, in North America. And, mm-hmm. you know, you get outside the, the cities and you see them and, you know, that that is what it is. And people take pictures of them while they're camping, all that stuff. But hunters specifically, because they spend so much time out in the woods that they see them all the time. And there's bears everywhere, you know. And so for that reason, to me, they're more valid. But also because they're usually deep in the woods. I don't know if people realize this, but I'm not going to say that, you know, wild animals have some crazy level of intelligence that you know they probably don't have but they understand hunting seasons when mm-hmm. it gets to a certain hunting season in a specific area those animals generally per, like get out of that area like that's why in our last episode I was talking about you know the fires in California and those deer that just ran up on us or walked up on us and they were 30 yards away and they just kind of were like oh hey guys you know and that is because they probably have lost that fear of you know there, it was a brand new deer and it lost that knowledge or that fear of humans right mm-hmm. um and so especially 2 weeks before archery season began usually they're pretty well pushed back into the brush because they understand that you know a number of them die every year or whatever however that level of intelligence recognizes that season right they just get used to it um so when hunters are out there during the season and they're deep in the woods 
and they're seeing stuff, it's more valid to me because they're more likely to see it and they're probably where those things live. Mm-hmm. If if that makes any sense at all, mm-hmm. it's that that credibility factor, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna back you up a little bit because you know, being here in Florida, you're absolutely right. First of all, hunters in the woods they know what they're looking at if they've spent any sure. considerable amount of time doing that. The black bear thing, because I've I hear that when I talk about Bigfoot with my friends and stuff, they're like, "Well, maybe it was just a, a black bear," because we do have black bears here in Florida. But the thing is, right. is black bears generally aren't that big. I mean, they're between four to six True. feet six feet is a big black bear you know so mm-hmm. even if you came that's across a, a black, black bear that's a big black bear you know if you came across one and it was standing on its hind legs it's six feet tall but you're gonna know that that's a bear just by its its stature and the way that they move they don't generally walk on their hind legs they might take a few right. steps on their hind legs they like wobble a little bit yeah right and then they usually get back down on all fours you know, and it's pretty obvious. But the other thing is, you know, with the black bears, they're actually really reclusive. Now, Bigfoots are too, obviously. But mm-hmm. like black bears, they, they'll know you're coming from a long ways away. Generally, people only ever see them if they catch them, you know, sniffing around their trash cans or one gets hit by a car. You don't right. generally just see one out in the woods because they know you're coming from miles away. You know, where I think a, a a hominid might be more curious about humans in their woods and they might actually come a little closer, close enough for you might actually see them. You know what I mean? No, that's mm-hmm. a, yeah, for sure. Possibly. That then that kind of backs up what I always say when, you know, I get asked the question, well, why haven't we found one? You know, we have all these people out there that are constantly out there looking for these things. Well, why haven't we found one? It's because, well, every time I see a video or read an article about somebody going out there or watch a TV show. And I hate to say watch a TV show because that's horrible, but it's true. That's, that's where a lot of people get their Bigfoot information from. What you see is a bunch of people going out there screaming in the woods, smacking sticks up against the tree. And, And one, they're either trying to find an idiot. That's what they're trying to find with that. Or if they're not doing that, they're out there trying to find an animal. And I think that the biggest mistake that we do as a as a species to find this species is that we're not going out there looking for another man that doesn't want to be found. We're out there looking for an animal. Exactly. And if we kind of if we change our mindsets a little bit and say, okay, instead of going out there to look for an animal, something that we automatically assume is stupid mm. or you know not smart enough, whatever. Uh, why don't we go ahead and say, where would a person be? What would a person be doing? What would you do? Right? You have this entire, you know, thousands upon thousands of acres and miles of woods that you can go hide in. Where are you going to go? Right? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Let's 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 do that. Let, let's go out there and pretend that we're looking for an escape prisoner instead of out there looking for, you know, a dog that ran off on us. Right. It must be an intelligent creature. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely do think that it's an intelligent creature. Gosh, you know, yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me because I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, but it's an animal. And I was like, but we can teach sign language to gorillas and they can communicate with us. Yeah. And 
you know, I don't know what their intelligence level is. I don't believe that they're anywhere where humans are, where they're, you know, self-aware, but aware of their own being and stuff. But they are still animals and they're incredibly smart. Right. And you're, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. All the Native American tribes, when they talk about, you know, their versions of Bigfoot, they always talk about it being an intelligent creature that they have respect for and that it has respect for them. And that there's usually a story in these tribes that is like there's a, a an unspoken understanding between us and the Bigfoots. What's the plural for Bigfoots, by the way? Is it Big Feet? Bigfoots? <laughs> you know what? You know what? Asquatches. I, <laughs> it's it's a. Uh... It's just Bigfoot. Okay. So if you're if you're talking about more, you're just it's talking like, about Bigfoot. It's like deer and deer. It's like moose. Gotcha. <laughs> Meese. Okay. Meese. But <laughs> I I personally love calling them big feats. That's just me. It's a joke that I do, but I like it and I roll with it. Yeah, big feats. So yeah, they, they have a it seems <laughs> according to their according to their oral traditions, you know, the, the tribes and the big feats have an understanding and a respect for each other, which makes me think that those those creatures are intelligent enough not only to hide from us but to know how to interact with us and when to interact with us you know what i mean so how to scare the crap out of us yeah 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 all right we gotta get moving let me uh i'm gonna go ahead and and shorten mine down just a little bit jeff dude for for your first reporting on the infinite rabbit hole that was great dude i really liked your uh little intro into the swamp ape that was awesome Thanks, buddy. Yeah, that was that was really good. Yeah, you're you're gonna do just fine here, kid. It's fun, man. (laughs) This is a place where I get to write and read stuff. I get to actually do a little bit of professionalism here. And my show, you know how it is. There's no professionalism over there, so it's good. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fun show. All right, so I have the luxury of doing two types for you guys tonight. I'm I'm not going to get into all the native lore and everything. I think Jake and Jeff did a good job at that. And, you know, we're already over an hour worth of recording. So I'm going to kind of dumb this down a little bit and just get down to the meat of things. And I'm going to just do one of my uh, BFRO reports. Just as a recap, Jake did the type one, which is the patty. Jeff did type seven, which is the swamp ape. I'm going to start off with type two, which is the wood booger, and end with type four, the relic hominid. So at an average of seven to ten feet tall, the wood booger is much more excitable and aggressive than the version of the Bigfoot that Jake was talking about, the type one. Taking up residence in the southern states from coast to coast and oftentimes in the same forests and swamps as the previously mentioned swamp ape, the wood booger's range may just be the largest of all the American Bigfoot species, depending on if the, the type one is actually nationwide. Uh, just as much as they are spotted in the swamps, they are also seen in the forests of the more mountainous areas, such as the southern Appalachians, Ozarks, and very southern Rockies in the northern Arizona and New Mexico states. The most northern areas of the country where the wood booger is spotted seems to be Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Colorado. If you were to just draw a nice straight line right across the, the country in those states, that's kind of the line where the wood boogers stay south of the largest population of type twos out there is thought to be in the sam houston national forest of eastern texas 
If the type one is the gorilla like and the type seven is the orangutan like, this one has been described to be the chimp like Bigfoot. The wood booger sports a hybrid human and chimp like footprint with a fifth digit slightly offset from a normal human print. The eyes of, of this type are said to be pure black and seem to lack a white. Often seen in both the upright walking on two legs and running on all fours position, the type 2 is versatile, fast, and can be aggressive. They are believed to be territorial and are known to be confrontational at times. There are tons of stories of the wood booger peeping in windows, slapping houses, attacking smaller livestock like goats and chickens, and throwing rocks and sticks at those that walk by them in their vicinities. It is even said that the lore of the boogeyman comes from the old mountain legends and stories that parents would tell their children. Come back by the time the sun goes down or the booger will get you. Which eventually turned into the boogeyman. Most Bigfoot creatures are thought to be nocturnal and diurnal. But this one seems to be primarily nocturnal with a small amount of sightings during the day, mostly during daybreak and, and sunset. The most popular run-ins with a Bigfoot-like creature that are thought to be wood boogers are the Momo, which is short for Missouri Monster, and the Falcon Monster, or better known as the Legend of Boggy Creek in Arkansas. One thing I kind of wanted to really point out with this is the overlapping in environments between this one and the, the Swamp Ape. Mm-hmm. Now, Jake, you'll remember our very first quote unquote official episode we did it was a pre-interview with a rougarou mm-hmm. where we talked about the honey island swamp monster now the honey island swamp monster there's a lot of division amongst the bigfoot communities as to whether that is a type two like the one i just described a type seven like the one that uh jeff just described or even possibly now this one's a little bit uh, reaching here, but possibly a type three that we're not going to get into today and we'll eventually get to in a different time, but it's much, much more aggressive. Uh, that's why it's kind of a reach and the, the geological area doesn't necessarily fit. If you look more into, if you remember Jake, when, during the episode, we were looking at the footprints mm-hmm. and the footprints were three toed. Yeah. Remember that it looked very, very lizard like actually it was very strange uh like a mutated thing yeah yeah so awkward remember we went on and on and on about like maybe it was had its toes bitten off by a gator we talked about that for like 25 minutes i know yeah (laughs) um that was the only thing we could really come up with is like it was mutated like just some abnormality or it had its toes crushed off or bitten off or cut off snapping turtle yeah, that's that that's something we pointed out too during that episode. Um, but you know, I just wanted to make it clear that a lot of people say, you know, oh, you're you're bullshitting me because the thing that this person said they saw was was tall, beefy, and hairy and looked like an orangutan. You're telling me you look like you saw something that was an overgrown chimp running on on all fours. It's important to realize that some of these Bigfoot subspecies overlap. And they could possibly live close to each other. So when someone says this, that I've seen this kind of Bigfoot, you know, uh, don't immediately say, okay, that's the only Bigfoot that can be here because that's not true. 
you know, don't discount somebody that says that they've seen this other kind of Bigfoot. Look at the geological area. It's out there. You can Google it. You know, there there's plenty of sources out there that will explain to you the different kinds of Bigfoot in the regions that they're in. Uh, or most likely, and and it's just the best picture that we can paint by the encounters that we've have. Fucking it, stumbled over myself there. I get what you're saying. Say that it's ten like, times fast. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's canines, right? There's wolves and foxes, and people be like, "Yeah, I've seen a wolf and I've seen a fox, but they could never exist together in the same area." Yeah, exactly. Like, oh yeah, you saw an orange thing. Well. Obviously, dude, the thing I'm seeing is gray and big. So you're an idiot. No, dude, come <laughs> on. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's it's important to realize that, you know, these things do live near each other. N- nobody's bullshitting. Or I mean, actually, a lot of people are probably bullshitting, but somebody could potentially not be bullshitting you. Mm-hmm. So have an open mind when you come to these things. Every single subspecies that we talk about today and the other ones that are on this list of 10 are very well documented. There's a good chance that all 10 of these in some way, shape, or form exist. That's pretty much all I have there. You guys got anything to, to add or any questions about the wood booger? Um, no, but I think it's interesting that the wood booger is the origins of the boogeyman. That kind of blew my mind. I agree with that. And you know what? When you talked about your story, you probably saw a wood booger. No. No? I, the one that I think I saw is the one I'm about to talk to talk about next. The more aggressive one. No, the wood booger is more aggressive. The type three is the most aggressive. Go ahead and we'll see if, you know, my thought process lines up with that one. OK. All right. So the last one that I'm going to talk about tonight is the type four or the relic hominid. The relic hominid, or also known as the American Almus, is thought to be the most human like of the American Bigfoot subspecies. The range of the Type 4 is the northeast of the United States, going as far south as Virginia and as far west as Ohio. So you're kind of looking at those very far northeast states, Virginia, mm-hmm. West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Jersey, Delaware, New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont. And then, of course, it extends up into Canada. It actually gets very popular as you get to the portions of Canada just north of the northeastern United States. The size of this Bigfoot is comparable to the Type 1, but is smaller in bulk, where the Paddy-type Bigfoot is very tall and bulky, like a linebacker. <laughs> the, the Relic Hominid is very tall as well, averagely around 7 to 9 feet tall, but thinner and much more athletic-looking, more built like a basketball player. Uh, instead of like this big hulking linebacker. Uh, they are most commonly spotted as black or brown with rare cases of beige and white. The face of this type is said to look very human-like with a structure that resembles a human with Down syndrome and almost hairless besides the top of the head and beard. The bare skin on the face and chest is commonly described as pasty gray or black with a leathery texture, and unlike the Type 1, this version has a rounded head instead of the conical head that is prevalent in its northwestern cousin. Those that have had encounters with this creature say that it has an intelligence about it that seems very human-like. 
It is also reported to be aggressive at times, but nowhere near the aggressiveness of the wood booger or even the non-mentioned type 3 or type 5. The most famous cases of this type are what's thought to be stalking the forest near Whitehall, New York, also known as the Beast of Whitehall. That's it. If anybody has had the chance to listen to an episode that Jake and I did very, very early in our history of Infinite Rabbit Hole, what was originally called to Bigfoot or not to Bigfoot, uh, now it's just Bigfoot or not to Bigfoot. It is, okay, it's still called Bigfoot or not to Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> One of our most popular episodes, for sure. Uh, it's It's top five of of our most popular episodes i actually tell my story my encounter with a bigfoot my two te- technically two encounters with a bigfoot this is what i think i saw uh, i remember during that episode uh, i think it was west asked me if the thing that i saw looked like patty mm-hmm. and i said no oh no that was during the the patterson gimlin film one he asked me if the thing that i saw looked like patty and i said no it didn't i said it wasn't that thick it was oh yeah you did say that you know i was doing research into this uh type four and i was like oh shit you know i i mean i've (laughs) looked at a type four before i've looked at all the types before Mm -hmm. but i've never really did a deep dive into any of them and really looked at what's the build of this thing right but dude i'm telling you i left out a, a few things about this about this particular bigfoot you know we'll get into later on and you know Time's kind of wasting away here. But yeah, this, this, this is the Bigfoot that I think I saw for sure. And not only does it match physically, but geographically it matches. So that makes sense then why you don't want to have that experience again. You want to come with me to Bluff Creek and go wave at some <laughs> docile Bigfoot, not see the ones that are snapping deer in half and stuff <laughs> and screaming cuss words into the woods because they have their own language. You know? <laughs> yeah, true. true. <laughs> Yep, I'm going to just fall back on the fact that I'm not waving at any of these things. I'm going straight fetal position, not moving, period. <laughs> Play dead. It's a bear. Yeah, <laughs> or run. Well, I'll go I'll, I'll go running off with it to go have tea time and it's like, you know, in its cave. And then I'll come back and tell you everything that it was about, like the whole experience. <laughs> you know what, Bigfoot? You're really nice. Yeah, it'd be like, uh, it'd be like uh, that Tenacious D movie. The pick of destiny or no, no, what was it? It was their, uh, oh, jeez, their music video where he's tripping on mushrooms and he meets Sasquatch in the woods and he's hugging on the trees and stuff. Oh gosh, I don't know. I've never <laughs> seen that. You're a little baby, Sass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to listen to that. Oh, I've gosh, never heard awesome. it. awesome. Yeah, yeah, That's you got to check out this music video. I'll send you the link. It's funny. Okay. Please do. <laughs> well, Please do. We'll, uh, we'll put, post it in a group. I just came across this doing a little Google search on your type there. New York town adopts Bigfoot as its official animal. Guess what town? Whitehall, New York. Yep. Interesting. Very nice. Whitehall is kind of the uh, Bigfoot Hollywood of the East, I guess you can say. Hmm. You know, you have some very popular places out West for Bigfoot hunting. But if you really want to dive into a town and an area that really adopts its Bigfoot, Whitehall is the place to go. It's uh, it's very Bigfoot friendly. It's even got a Bigfoot festival. I was going to say That's a festival. Awesome. They have Sasquatch Appreciation Day. <clears throat> Interesting. Yep. 
Yeah, I think Infinite Rabbit Hole is going to need to take a trip up there one day to that Bigfoot festival. Absolutely. Let me know how it goes. I'll stay here. <laughs> Fuck that. You're coming with, dude. Scared of the Bigfoot, man. All right, I'll go. Fine. <laughs> they want to stay away from people. There's no way they're going to just walk in the middle of the festival and be like, hey, guys, hey, thanks. Guys. <laughs> and if hey, man, they do, on. we'll capture it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's uh, the thing about like Bigfoot researchers, though, because a lot of people a lot of people that research Bigfoot have this idea or this knowledge that they've got to be in such small populations and numbers, or at least they're really, really successful at hiding. I mean, the the areas we talked about, millions upon millions of acres of just nothing out there, maybe the occasional cabin or like a fish camp or something like that, or a hunt club. But they're just so good at staying away from people that, you know, there's people that really want to see them. But a lot of people are kind of on the same page as far as like, we're not going to shoot one. We're not going to trap one. We just want, you know, 100% proof in the form of video evidence or hair samples or, you know, feces or whatever it is. But you know, this idea, and a lot of people get really hostile with that, this idea that, yeah, if I ever saw a Bigfoot, I'd just shoot it and I'd just, you know, collect its body. Honestly, that might be the easiest way to go about proving that an animal exists for science so that scientists can break it down and see what's inside of it and, you know, open up its brain and all that stuff. But people hate that idea. And I'm kind of on the fence with it. You know, I, I don't just run out into the woods and kill things. You know, I'm not a monster. I got to be honest, that day that I got freaked out and did a perimeter search, I did it locked and loaded, buddy. Well, and I mean, that's just being smart, because as far as you know, there's a person that was going to break into your house because you're quietly talking on a microphone and they don't, you know, or whatever. You know, that's just being intelligent, being smart and having your wits about you. But at the same time, and that there, no one's going to argue that you shouldn't defend yourself, right? But well, people don't want right you. Well. But mo <laughs> most people don't want, you know, the idea going around there that let's all just go into the woods with guns to shoot a big yeah, No, I agree. I agree with that. Now, a dog man? Yeah. Just clear out the brush, you know, <laughs> shoot a bazooka at the thing, you know, because if you don't get it, it's going to get you. <laughs> but have you looked into the dog man at all, man? Yeah, man. Um dog man the one that really freaks me out is the wendigo uh i mean the never mind i'm not gonna get into that dog man's fucked <laughs> <laughs> dog man oh, goat man. man is also fucked i don't know if you got into goat man at all uh sheep squatch is pretty cool i mean there, there's so many it's it's ridiculous dude there's so many cryptids obviously not all of them are real but all of them are awesome all of them are awesome to read about they're fun they're mm -hmm. exciting. Some of them, most of them actually make biological sense. Uh, all right. So before we sign off for the day, we're already way over time. I'm actually not going to read my uh, report here, but I'm going to let everybody know where they can find it and what the title of it is. Uh, the title of it is Hikers Startled by Encounter at Remote Cabin near Woodstock. This is in the state of Virginia and in Shenandoah County. Uh, this is a class A report for anybody that doesn't know about the BFRO. They grade their reports by class A, B, and C. A means that there was a physical 
uh, entity. B means that there is evidence proven that Bigfoot could definitely have been there, such as uh, footprints, wood knocks, screams in the dark, shadows, those kind of things. And C is like minimal, uh, minimal evidence that uh, a Bigfoot could have been present, such as like, oh, we smelt something really bad or there was a piece of dirt that looked like it could have possibly been a footprint. But we don't know. It also could have been, you know, just some somewhere where somebody lifted a rock up out of the ground. This is a class A. This is something where they actually went face to face with this creature outside of their cabin in the middle of the woods in Woodstock, Virginia. Uh, Pretty cool. I highly recommend everyone taking a look over at BFRO.net. Going to Virginia, Shenandoah County. The report number is three zero 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 six. Check it out. Read it up. This is, I, I think this is a, a type four. Again, Virginia is right on the border of the type four and type two area. So we have a little bit of both here. Uh, two very different Bigfoot uh, and two very different stories. So it's pretty easy to determine what's a four and what's a two. Now, to kind of build upon what I was talking about in the very early portions of this episode i said that most bigfoot researchers out there believe that there are four different types meaning two species and two subspecies each the two technical species are the ones and the threes so that would be the patty type and the three that we did not talk about the very aggressive kind then off of that there would be two subspecies off of each so the ones and the fours are considered to be of the same species uh, but having geological differences, just like Jake was talking about black bears that are a little different uh, in the Appalachians compared to the Rockies. They're a little bit bigger out there in the Rockies because they have to compete with uh, grizzlies and there's more mm-hmm. food out there like the elk and wild berries and stuff. So they're different. They're definitely built different, but they're same biologically uh, all the way down to the DNA of a black bear. They're black bears. They're just built a little different um and the threes and the twos so the the unnamed three that we're going to keep secret for now and we might dive into uh american bigfoot again uh sometime later on down the road and we'll dive into that one and the type two the wood booger you know the wood booger is a hellion and it is a troublemaker uh but it's still not as aggressive as the three so that's what i i kind of just wanted to go over that really quick i really like the 10 different kind of bigfoot thing and if i had a chance to narrow that down even more i personally would like to see a six or a seven type bigfoot list because there's a couple of them on there that i don't believe should be bigfoot number eight and i'm sorry number nine and number 10 number nine is the devil monkey and number 10 is a miniature bigfoot and i don't believe those are uh related to bigfoot at all there's also one other that i i I think is kind of a little far-fetched but is actually very interesting and i would love to cover in a later episode other than that anybody else have anything else to say speak now or forever hold your peace Mm, yeah okay i got something to say real quick just just to settle people's minds about like the all this hokey you know they're they're different stuff i know we always use the black bears or the grizzly bears as the as the you know go-to for size comparison and all that stuff and it is valid but one article that i was looking at one person he took six different looking people 
they're all different races. They had varying degrees of facial features, and it was just their faces, not their height, not their weight, uh, not their physical, like, you know, born without arms or legs or, you know, various finger types or whatever. It was just their faces. And they said, look at one of these people. And if you had to describe to a person that had never seen what this one person looks like, but they knew of what another person looked like, would they believe you if you said this is what a person looks like? Mm, And it was the first guy was a curly haired ginger, big old Afro on him. And he had super white skin. Mm -hmm. The very next picture was a very dark skinned Asian man. Mm -hmm. If they had only ever seen dark skinned Asian men and you were describing to them a person that had very, very, very white skin, you know, curly Afro hair that's, you know, red. Do you think that they'd believe you that that's what a person looks like? And they're like, these these are just people, right? Now, granted, Mm -hmm. it's a bigger population. We're way more spread out. We have, you know, mixes beyond imagination as far as like what a person can be made up of, where their genealogy is from, you know, and we can see that with Ancestry.com or whatever, 23andMe, all these different things. But, you know, just take a small area, just take the United States, for example, you know, all these different Native American tribes wherever they came from originally some people say that you know from the uh the asian area because they have similar features and all sorts of stuff when people migrated here but even those people in just the united states they looked different they spoke differently you know all they had their varying degrees of features and stuff that separated them in their tribes and you know specifically their regions and all these different stuff they were still the same group of people but over the years and over the hundreds of years and stuff like that they changed in their varying degrees. And that's all we're saying is that this is a real animal that because of its different regions, because of its maybe inbreeding in those specific regions that they have become different from each other, maybe not in their species, but in their appearance and in how they operate and how, and their aggression level and all these different things. And if you think about it in the way of people, then it makes a heck of a lot more sense. Because, I mean, black bears are good, and it's a good example, but we only really have a couple different types of black bears as far as their size goes and, you know, all these different things. I think using people as an example is way better as far as, you know, the differences that you can see in people. I see that. That's that's actually a really good way to look at that. Very good. I like that a lot more. I don't I don't know why people automatically go to black bears. I, I, I've seen that as an example so much. I think it's because it's an apex predator. Yeah, probably. Probably. It's something that's it's a, much more comparable in most people's mind because a lot of people, when they think of Bigfoot, they're not necessarily seeing uh, something that could potentially look like a human. They're looking at something with hair, with fur. Right. You know, they're looking at an animal. And I'm not saying Bigfoot is an animal or not an animal. I'm just saying is that. Know they are considered to be a primate. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that has been another episode of the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Thank you for joining us on our premiere episode of season four. This has been the American Bigfoot. As I said before, uh, we're going to start ending these episodes with what's to come. 
and our first host in the rotation of topic choices is Jeff. So I'm going to go ahead and give it to Jeff real quick and let him tell us what we're going to be learning about next week. Jeff, how are you going to blow our minds, man? Uh, well, we are going to talk about the amazing story of Atlantis. And no, I'm not talking about the cartoon from Disney. We're talking about... Good cartoon, though. It is a great movie. <laughs> We're talking legitimate <laughs> archaeological evidence to support an advanced ancient civilization known as Atlantis. You know how many people have asked me when we're going to do that episode? We finally got the guy for it. I know. <laughs> it's an interesting topic, man. And, and hopefully I can bring some stuff that people haven't heard before or connect dots that people haven't connected before. That's my goal. So This is one of the few topics, I would say, in the realm of Infinite Rabbit Hole where I have never done any real research into before. And well, I'm really excited to learn something new, man. Hopefully I can uh, get you up to speed, bud. We'll see. I'm stoked. Me too. All right. Well, you heard it, guys. Our next episode is Atlantis, brought to you by our new guy, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, thank you again for stopping in on this episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole. We'll see you.